Everybody, it's the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm Sean Harwell. You're listening to the show where we talk about the movies that have fallen through every crack in all the world and worlds beyond our world. I'm joined today by another alien, Craig Moorhead, my co-host. As always, would you like to say hello and something else meaningful? Mm. Well, what what does meaning even mean nowadays? You know what I mean, Sean? That was very meaningful, actually. Yeah, I like how you broke that down. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing pretty good, and uh, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Okay, I'm doing both, maybe. Yeah, I'm both at the same time. Two. That's cool. No, I'm. That's I'm very. Cool. I have like my pajamas on right now, so I mean. Me too, bro. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pajama podcast. Love it. <laughs> Sean, did you know we have a, a website called NeverHeardPodcast.com? Hmm. Tell me more. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. If you wanted to see all the episodes that we've done or you wanted to find out where we are on social media, um, even though you should probably quit social media at this point, I, I feel like it's social media is like a bad idea at this point. And maybe we'll get into that tonight when we talk yeah, about maybe our, we should yeah. movie. But if you're still on it, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, those kinds of places. I know you know that because I feel like you, you, you do most of the posting, honestly. Yeah, here and there. But in case anyone listening wanted to just, uh, I don't know, uh, contact us, give us some ideas of some movies you might want us to cover or just say, hey, guys, good job. Or, wow, you sure whiffed that one. Or uh, my dog died. I don't know why you'd want to tell us that, but you could. <laughs> yeah, we're here for you. You know what I mean? We're not going to make you feel dumb. No. We're not judging you. That's not what we're here for. But those are some things you can do. Sean, what are some things you can do? Well, I don't know. I was going to say this will drop after oscar weekend 2019 mm -hmm. so i mean i guess you could watch the oscars although i feel like they've been trying real hard to give you reasons not to this year it does Good seem that way. gravy but uh i don't know should we go on record and predict what's going to win best picture right now just to see if we get if we get it right oh absolutely okay. do i have to know what's nominated uh no i don't think so you can just okay, say whatever you feel like yeah okay well, I watched Eighth Grade today. Oh, what'd you think? I really liked it. Yeah, so good. It didn't get nominated, um, correct, for anything, I don't think. That's okay. I think it should win. Yeah. What's What are your feelings? I don't know. I I don't know that I'm buying that it's going to be a cakewalk for Roma. Uh-huh. I, I, yeah, that's the one everybody wants to win, it seems like. Well, I, I think wants to because it just seems like it, it has that momentum behind it. It's like this prestige picture but i don't know i would not be surprised if there's a curveball here mm -hmm. a la moonlight and uh maybe black panther pulls it off man yeah maybe so it's gonna win some major award black panther is going it, that's going to happen i think i right. feel like the the sheen has died off a little bit after because it came out so much earlier in the year last year mm -hmm. and now you know the, the chatter has been a little more star is born roma some of these other movies Right. I'm saying don't count out Black Panther just yet. Well, yeah, I mean, Black Panther, would, like winning would, would kind of, um, it seems like that would serve a lot of purposes for a lot of people besides just, I mean, hey, I'm a fan of the movie. If it, if it won sure. an Oscar, great. I'd be perfectly happy. I think it'd be a cool moment. Yeah. I mean, you know. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you know, maybe that helps out the Oscars in some way. Everyone doesn't feel like the only thing that ever wins is like Chariots of Fire. But it, it is but, interesting then, though, if they do that, knowing that, 
well, I say knowing, expecting at least that next year there will be a best popular picture category, right? right? Yeah. So, I mean, it feels like if that happened this year, it would be the shoe-in. Right. Victor. Um, But I don't know. I don't know who you know in 12 months from now there may not even be an oscars like at this rate at the rate they're going right now i don't feel secure in uh saying that we'll even have an oscars next year so yeah yeah it does seem to like sort of be slowly dissolving in front of our eyes yeah and i I think (laughs) a lot of people seem like they'd be okay with that so (laughs) i don't know what that says about it but i don't know i don't know as long as we keep getting movies maybe exactly yeah i don't yeah. Well, speaking of, Craig, we're going to talk about mm-hmm. one today. We're going to talk about a TV movie and bringing those two yeah. worlds together. Sure. Special Bulletin is the movie from 1983. But this seems like as good a place as any to ask you what else you've watched. I'll tell you, Sean, I watched uh, well, I watched 8th Grade. Tell me more about your 8th Grade experience. First of all, it's streaming on Amazon, if not everywhere else. So, well, actually what happened was buddy of the podcast, Todd Rohal, was in town. He had mentioned it, and he had talked about watching Bo Burnham, the guy who wrote and directed it, had been had watched a stand-up of his mm-hmm. that was on Netflix. He said that was really good, and he said eighth grade was really good. And so shortly after, uh, Kyung and I sat down, watched both of them. The stand-up is really good, and I was very surprised to see that this guy who did the stand-up, who seems like, he seems like he's 12 years old. I know. Wrote and directed this really good, like... I don't know. It's 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 not a sensational movie, in the most literal use of that word. I think mm-hmm. eighth grade is not. You know, it's it's just it really puts you. I don't know. It really helped me revisit the horrible, awkward feelings of middle school, like yeah, like really well. I'm with you. I mean, I was aware of Bo Burnham as a name, yeah. as a comedian. Mm-hmm. I had no idea how old he was. And I just assumed after watching this movie, there's there's no way this guy doesn't have kids, right? Like he's got to right. be at least like 35, yeah, uh, no. 40. And he's not at all. And yeah, I just thought, I mean, it's just like insightful, not only about, you know, nailing that like time period and what it feels like at that age. I think also specifically from the female point of view in mm-hmm. the current cell phone social media age i thought that was mm-hmm. really but then also just like as a parent like that scene with her dad at the end like killed me like it was so good oh absolutely you know well because in a way i mean that's that's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a horror movie and i want to say especially if you're a parent and that's just me being a parent yeah like, looking at that time because w- what i really kind of like about the relationship between kayla and her dad is that while it it can be like sort of confrontational most of the time it's just like a connection just can't be made yeah and it's not it's not some huge dramatic thing it's just i can i can totally understand that feeling of just like i just want to like just have a connection for a moment with you and i and i can't and you're kind of like where you're at you like don't want that feeling and i remember that feeling as a kid yeah big time you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Uh, anyway so I don't know. I, I thought that was that was a pretty special uh, experience just watching that one. Yeah, it's impressive, and it's still very very funny. Uh, I think at, at yeah. times too. So oh, absolutely, big big thumbs up. Anything else, Craig? Um, I mean, the only other thing. Well, we went to we went and watched uh the new Wreck It Ralph. Oh, 
I have not seen the uh, first one yet still, but it's on my list. Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 they're definitely both good movies. Um, I gotta say though, the theater we went to, for some reason, I feel like it had a screen that had a certain sort of gain to it. Uh huh. That was maybe like double what a normal flat like reference screen would be in a theater because it looked it felt like I had to look through glitter the entire time oh, to really? see the movie. Interesting. Like it was just very shiny and it had this hot spot and I hated it and they cranked the music up so loud it was terrible. It was a it was a terrible experience. Do you want to name the chain a theater chain? I'm not going to name the chain. Okay. I'm not going to name the chain because <laughs> the other movie theater we normally go to is the same chain and it's way okay. better. So yeah, and it's even sort of more run down, but it's like the experience of watching a movie there is a million times better. Well, should anyway. we look up the local manager of that particular one? Yeah, and, call and him harass up? them, him or her. Yeah. yeah, okay. But no, that and and uh, uh, rewatched Avengers: Infinity War. Okay. Yeah, you're way which ahead I don't of me. Know. But yeah. It's not a big, it's not a big rewatcher, maybe, but uh, but I don't know. I really, I really liked that movie. Cool. What about you, Sean? What have you watched? Uh, just a few things. I think I had wrapped up the Crown first season last time mm-hmm. we talked. I, for some reason, just decided to finally go back and finish the first season of The Deuce on HBO. Oh, yeah. David Simon. I really enjoyed that show, man. I don't know. It's, it's you know, it's one of those uh, that he is so good at as far as just. This is like slice of life, and you got this massive mm-hmm. cast. It's grimy. It definitely feels like they got the the period details uh, correct, or at least mm-hmm. correct enough to fool a guy who was not alive uh, or not definitely in New York during that time period. And then on the movie side, I watched Edge of Tomorrow finally after. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I know. I don't know why I had put this off for so long. I love that movie. It was great. Like it's so Wasn't much fun. It great? Yeah. Yeah, such a good premise and a good, really good casting decision there to go mm-hmm. after Tom Cruise. Like that, it just fits really well. I think, yeah, right in his wheelhouse. And yeah. uh, interesting idea. And then I watched Isle of Dogs at last as well, the Wes Anderson stop motion. Oh thing. yeah. Have you seen that one? Uh, no, no, not yet. Not yet. Uh, I think you need to make the effort, Craig. I know. I don't. For whatever reason, I just put it off and and didn't get to it, but. If for no other reason, like every second of that movie just looks impeccable. It it is yeah. something else to to see. It is, uh, you know, I mean, it, it literally is sculpture, and yeah, yeah it's yeah. just beautiful. And then it, it certainly, if uh, you know, if you've been around dogs at all, there's some some fun stuff there. And of course, his kind of trademark thing that he does right so well, and his regular cast of uh, characters there. It, it also adds Brian Cranston, and I thought he was really quite good. In, in, oh, in that really? role, yep. So check it out, unless you're a total cat person. Well, you know, it's funny. For Isle of Dogs, I never, I guess I never heard anyone say the title or something. Yeah. Because when you said that title, it sounded like you said, I love dogs. Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. And then that, I thought, yeah. is that is that supposed to be something? <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, there is Just literally an island it. that the dogs are on in this movie. Sure. So, but, uh, hmm. hmm. Well, that gives everybody at home something to think about. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, shall we think about something else? Yes. And interrupt this segment, yes, with a special bulletin. We're moving up. We're moving up. Watch the new Four Squares later today on most of these RBS stations. RBS! 
It's betrayal and remembrance in the continuing saga of love and life in Morningside. Move on up to RBS. We interrupt our regular programming to bring you this special bulletin from RBS News. Craig, this movie's from 1983. We talked about it last time in the tee-up. It is mm -hmm. a product from Edward Zwick and Marshall Herskovitz of 30-something and many, many other things. Glory, uh, what was the Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, Speaking of Tom Cruise, etc. Mm -hmm. Lots of good stuff on the resume. Uh, they made this movie for, I just listened to our episode, and I don't remember, but I think it was NBC. <laughs> uh, yes, it was. Okay, good, yes. The Peacock. And mm -hmm. um, let's do a summary real quick, courtesy of mm -hmm. IMDb. A TV reporter and cameraman are taken hostage on a tugboat while covering a worker's strike. The demands of the hostage takers are to collect all the nuclear detonators in the Charleston, South Carolina area so that they may be detonated at sea. They threaten to detonate a nuclear device of their own if their demand isn't met. Yeah, I think that's right on the money there for the most part. Although, so. as we mentioned last time, the form of this movie is uh, perhaps just as important as the content, or at least very supportive of the content, in that it does play out entirely from start to finish as a live news broadcast of the era. You watched it, Craig? I did. I don't think you had heard of this one before, right? I had not. Me either. Uh, what'd you think? I enjoyed watching it for the most part. There was more to it than I thought there would be. Some pretty good little story developments in it that I was kind of surprised by that, that they, that they kind of, I don't know. I, I guess I was expecting a lot less than what I got. So I have to say, I'm, I'm pretty happy. What about you? I'm kind of blown away. I mean, no pun intended, but I'm with you in that, like it, it was deeper than I expected. It asked mm -hmm. a lot of really interesting questions that I think are still extremely pertinent and relevant. Yeah. And they committed like hell to that format. Mm -hmm. And it just, I'm just sitting there watching it like, why? There should be one of these a year like this. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I don't know if that's something that just maybe doesn't work as well because of, uh, you know, people are just watching TV in different ways now. But I still feel like the CNNs of the world <laughs> and some of those yeah. places like the 24-hour news channels, like at some point, get into scripted content like this is what they should be doing just because, yeah, I mean – I could imagine sitting there watching this in 1983 and just being kind of freaked out by the whole thing. Yeah, for sure. It was also just refreshing to see a news broadcast where there wasn't, you know, an entire novel's worth of text on the screen in an, mm -hmm. every single corner. So, on the whole, uh, super duper impressed. I mean, really, like, uh, you know, I can see why, although obviously I haven't seen all of them or even close to it. But why this was number one on, on somebody's list of best TV movies ever. I mean, sure. I, I don't have anything else to really compare it to that I've seen that I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so with that okay. note, let's just wrap it up and go home. All right. Sweet. Well, let's talk about the way into this movie a little bit. Just the, the different devices that they use to kind of uh, set it up and, and really put us in the frame of mind that we're just watching a news program. We talked a little bit last time about how, you know, they, they did have to make disclaimers um, after each commercial break and, and certainly at the beginning about 
this being a realistic depiction of fictional events. They had none of what you are about to see is actually happening on the mm-hmm. screen. Um, if I didn't mention last time, this is available on YouTube. Um, I did not, the version I watched, Craig, did not have anything pop up like during scenes that said, no. okay, good. Yeah. Me neither. I think yeah. that was, like we said, like limited to those channels that were broadcasting it in the Charleston area itself, uh, which I can imagine like they would be like, thank God this is up here. Um, But even just, I just like how it began, you know, it was the fictional news station is called RBS. Um, Mm -hmm. It opens with sort of like this, you know, it's like their little station teaser that they used to have in the times like we're moving up, you know, it's just like all about this is our network, you know, we're CNN or whatever. That was like comforting nostalgia, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I did. I sort of like thought of there was this new show called PM Magazine. I don't know if you ever yeah, remember that. Yeah, I right? totally remember that. Yeah. And so it felt like something like that. I, I remember from that, and uh, yeah. And then you're into it, and you're 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 finding a, uh, you know, they're they're telling about something that just happened um, when one of their news anchors was reporting a story or filming a story um, down by the docks of Charleston and there's some sort of worker strike going on. Although I gotta be honest, like I kind of missed all of that uh, as far as like what, right. I don't I, like taking it in. Well, yeah. Like I, I don't yeah. know which workers, I mean the dock workers, I guess I don't know. I, nothing sure. about the strike is important, <laughs> right? but it, it is funny that it is in the, uh, it's in that synopsis there, but basically you've got, Steve Levitt is the anchor's name, played by uh, Christopher Allport. The, our, Christopher Allport. Our month of Allport. <laughs> and, you know, he's reporting. They've got the docks. They've got, you know, those, like, big wooden crates here and there <laughs> um, just yeah. decorating the set. And next thing you know, there's just, like, jeeps barreling in and gunfire erupts. And I got to tell you, Craig, and let me ask you, when Steve Levitt says a line like, he's got an Uzi, come on. I love it. Yes. I mean, I had that okay, written down. Okay, yeah. Because it was, that. that's a deeply 80s gun. For sure. Like, that's that's what I love about that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you got a news anchor that when that happens, he wants to get mm-hmm. closer to the action. Oh, he runs right up to did, it. Yeah. I, did, was that sending up red flags to you? Because <laughs> it was for me. Well, well yeah, I mean... Yeah, and that's one of the interesting things about the the movie in general is there are parts like with clearly with actors that are scripted that feel just like it would feel on a news mm-hmm. program. And then like a second later there's a moment where it just feels like, "Oh, that was pretty staged." Yeah. Like and and that's what's kind of funny. Like he was he was doing like a lot of the stand-up like reporters that they throw to were doing like a pretty good you know, sort of being, uh, uh, what do I want to say? Reporterly. I mean, reporterly, <laughs> like, not... like being sort of under, you know, un- understated yeah. and reporterly. Like he was doing a good job. And yeah, then, then he starts running toward, it doesn't seem like he would have run toward, uh, all the gunfire Yeah. and, uh, calling out that someone has an Uzi, but then, but then he, you know, he crouches behind, he's trying to find out what's going on. And then you see a guy take a, a very bad shot where it very like theatrical sort of oh, yeah, Coast Guard goes like, down. Fall back. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh boy, that, that didn't work so well. But other than that, the illusion is pretty good. Yeah, and I, I'm uh, with you, but yeah. like 
I don't know. I found myself just like, okay, is, is this the type of movie we're going to get where, like, I, I'm, am I going to have to just throw logic out the window? <laughs> right. But I'm sitting here wondering, I, how else would you stage that exactly? Because right. you got your hot, your terrorist have a boat. Mm-hmm. So the boat's got to be there. So it's like, I was just thinking, I was like, well, you could just, like, the terrorist could show up and take over the boat. And, uh, you know, be the ones that are the aggressors there versus having the mm-hmm. Coast Guard come in. But then it's like, well, but how would they get a nuclear bomb on that boat unless they did it beforehand? You know, it's like right. the, that wouldn't make sense logistically. So I think this was like no. the lesser of the evils, perhaps. Um, let's just yeah. have this moment where our news anchor is going to do something that's probably a little illogical and brave, I guess. <laughs> mm hmm. Although it does sort of maybe tie in to later to the theme of, you know, just how far the media is going, willing to go for ratings um, and how for they ratings, report sure. these events. So it does kind of carry a thematic thread. But yeah, they're they're taken hostage and they go on this tugboat. And like, tell me this: Were you? Because you know, we had read the synopsis and the the word terrorist gets thrown around. They they did not at all reflect what I was imagining terrorists would be in this movie. Um, is that the case for you or? Yes. In fact, when, yeah, when you, I think when you read it the last time, listening to the tee up, I was confused where I thought that, that what it was was the terrorists wanted to have the control of all the nuclear weapons. And if they didn't get the control of all the nuclear weapons, they would detonate a nuclear adv- device thinking, me thinking that like, they wanted the the control of those devices to like terrorize other places. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I, I I don't know. I, so yeah, I, I didn't understand that it was like sort of a bunch of peaceniks, and they what they really wanted to do was get rid of nuclear, you know, like like start nuclear disarmament on their own. Yeah, it's kind uh, of fascinating. Yeah. I think we established the you know the main news anchors at RBS who are played by Catherine Walker who plays Susan and then Ed Flanders who plays John Woodley um, as they're sort of tapping into the local Charleston affiliate feed and getting um, information from uh, Meg Barclay who's played by Roxanne Hart about mm-hmm. what's happened down there and then they find out that you know the host, you know the terrorists on this boat are requesting a live feed. Right. Uh, to air on RBS and they'll kill hostages within an hour if they do not get it. And so, you know, there's a bit of that dilemma that plays out, but then once we cut to the boat and they've got this live feed, you've got Dr. Bruce Lyman played by David Clennon, Dr. David mm-hmm. McKeeson played by David Rash, who's sort of your two main brains behind this thing. Mm-hmm. They call themselves a group that believes in survival. And I thought, well, that's that's interesting. You used to work at the Pentagon. It's like, okay, I wasn't expecting that. And right. you know, I'm mean, basically this this Dr. David or Dr. Bruce Lyman is is saying that you know the thinking has changed um, regarding nuclear war. It's not about you know building up the weapons to protect ourselves as it is about creating an offensive attack. And mm-hmm. he's like the people in charge believe that they will wage nuclear war and they believe that they will win it. And that Charleston, you know, because this was our big question, was like, why the hell is this set in Charleston? Yeah. Uh, and they do explain that, like, that is a major staging area for a, a nuclear offense. And in fact, there are, yeah, what was it, like 968 weapons, or, you know, those detonators in that area alone. Um, 
and that's what they're claiming. They want them all so they can take them out to sea and destroy them. It's unilateral disarmament. And there was a line that said, this action, as radical as it is, can set in motion a move towards real peace. And so, like, yeah, you're like, I don't know. Are we 10 minutes into the movie at this point? And I was like, well, damn, this is... That's deeper than anything I was expecting. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, it's more of a moral quandary than I was ever expecting to get in this movie at all. And here we have it yeah. right up front. And so, Craig, mm. okay, first of all, you're John Woodley. Or I, don't, I thought, Did they call him the dean of RBS News, or did I hear that? Yeah. Okay, I thought that was weird. I was like, the dean? What is, what is this? Well, one of, the, one of the guys did. One of the... Um quote-unquote terrorist did right uh, yeah i'm not sure but uh you're running a network do you give them the live feed well right i feel like i feel like no except that your your guy is in there so whether it's ratings or whether you just care about your colleague i don't know maybe maybe you do yeah i wondered I about think, that. I, I feel like the idea is that it's yeah that it's not okay to do but probably you know any any news service in the world would do it. I feel like they would just do it, especially if one of their if one of their people was taken hostage. Yeah, and they had a live feed, they would do it. I kind of wondered if 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 it would be done though without collaboration with the FBI at the least, right? Because I was trying to think about the movie Zodiac, uh, David Fincher's movie, and there was a moment mm-hmm. where like the Zodiac was supposed to call in to some reporters, like some news anchor show or something like that. And even just whether or not they were going to print those letters that he sent to the newspapers mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the sort of responsibility they had in regards to that as a, a publishing company, I think they were at the very least working with local police on that decision. You know, it yeah. maybe didn't have quite the ticking clock that this, this does in some ways i was kind of glad that they just skipped all of that because yeah. you know introducing a police or military presence that early on i just it just would create a different dynamic i think entirely right well and, and i think uh um and i'll maybe get a little more into this a little bit later i do feel like if it was made now you probably would have that and you would oh, probably yeah. have a lot more threads going even sooner than this. I mean, this has a lot of threads going. Yeah. Like, especially for, uh, you know, a movie at the time, I feel like. so. Yeah, with commercial breaks, like mandatory commercial breaks, right? Yeah. 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 Well, and actually, just on that note, I kind of felt like the commercial breaks, which are obvious in this, they they worked really well for the, the plot of it because it allowed mm-hmm. them to skip in the head in time just a little bit. Yeah. Prior to one of the early commercial breaks, you know, we do find out that, yes, these guys are claiming, um, you know, Dr. David McKeeson is, I think, saying, you know, my colleagues and I have constructed our own device and it's on this ship. Uh, if, if we do not have those detonators by 6 p.m., um, this is the only way we can illustrate what we all have as humanity to fear from the rapid, you know, um, accumulation of these weapons. So right. we're gonna, we will detonate it. It won't be done in anger, but as a desperate plea um, for peace. And so one of the things that they're able to do then after that bit of information is out there is use those commercial breaks. You know, I think there was after one, you come back and like you're talking to 
I did think it was kind of weird, like the Department of Energy. Like that's, I think, our first like government briefing, right. like official briefing from that world. Mm-hmm. What they're saying is we've had 85 cases exactly like this since 1974, threats of people having their own nuclear device, and not a single one of them was real. Um, the only difference this time is that they put it on TV. And right. so it's like, well, I don't know. Those guys did seem legit, but at least it, like it keeps that, that like dangling over your head of like, is that a real bomb on there or not? Right. But then one of the commercial breaks after that, they kind of come back and just like immediately go back. And it's like oh, they have been able to confirm uh, that there are like radiation levels reading off of that boat. Right. And so it's like, boom, boom, boom. It's just so easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is one of the things that I think would be completely different. I don't know. I, I don't watch 24-hour news really at all these days, but even when they cut to commercial, it feels like they still keep the text crawl going on some of those channels. So sure. if this, if anything like this was actually happening now, I feel like they would find a way to stay on air throughout and still have commercials. So you wouldn't have yeah. that, like, uh, like that disconnect. But again, if this were really happening... <laughs> Can you imagine right. sitting there hearing, um, we've confirmed that there is radiation levels reading, that there probably is a real nuclear bomb on this boat, and then they cut yeah. to a freaking like Pepsi commercial or something? <laughs> I mean, oh my God. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> well, I, I got to say, I, I remember that during, uh, during 9-11. Really? I remember there oh, being I a thing yeah. where, well, well, because like... Yeah, when anything like like when the when the towers actually came down, like there were no commercials. Yeah, but like you know, after about seventy two hours of nothing else happening, and them just sort of repeating the same news all the time, I just remember they they kind of settled into this thing where they would cut to commercial, but the commercial would sort of be in a smaller box, mm-hmm. and so you'd have yeah all this text and everything around it. So you'd have these like oh mop and glow, this <laughs> McDonald's, is, oh, yeah. this will make you happy, and you're like what the fuck, yeah. And they come back, start talking about how 3,000 people died. And it's just like, wow. Yeah, I, I would be really interested to see what a movie would look like like this now. Yeah, for and, sure. And, and honestly, the, the one thing that I would kind of want to see, although it wouldn't make for a very good planned out movie, is that amount of time where no one knows anything and they just keep talking mm-hmm. because nothing is happening now. Like you had this oh my big God, dude. Yeah. like jolt of like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. And then nothing happens after it. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, which is so common now uh, on those news channels. You know, I mean, how often, like, especially during presidential campaigns, mm-hmm. they'll show like, okay, he's coming out. You know, they're doing a rally in New Hampshire, and it's about to begin any minute now. And like, they'll, they'll just like sit there and talk about nothing. Uh, the yeah. anchors for thirty minutes until this thing. Like they'll have a shot of an empty of an podium. Empty podium. That goes on and on and on. And that, I I did love the sort of maneuvers that they used in this along those lines. Um, You know, I think the the first notable one was, you know, they come back from a commercial break and suddenly, you know, RBS has a whole new graphic, like America under siege or whatever it was, (laughs) like Flashpoint, America under siege. And I I was was like, I was pretty surprised that that was even there. Yeah, it it was so perfect. Like it was already a trope of news. Um, That and also then they start going into the bio. Like we've been able to confirm that Dr. Bruce Lyman was one of the first Americans in Vietnam. He joined a contract. And it's, 
yeah. mean, thinking about this as a narrative, like what a great device to have to just get like exposition and background, like character development mm-hmm. stuff out, you know, in you know, whole cloth like that. Yeah. But it's so true. Like it, that's exactly what they would do is they'd have these little pieces about, okay, who is the, who is the shooter, you know, that do there all the yeah. time. Um, and so I like that. And then of course, you know, you got Keeson later on, like, I think they even comment, like, you know, the the terrorists are saying, you know, yeah, don't think we didn't see the flashpoint America under siege there, you know, <laughs> way to mm-hmm. hype up, you know, way to turn this into a, uh, and a you know Super Bowl of size event or something, <laughs> so I don't know. All that stuff I thought was really interesting. There is a moment I think that kind of it changes things a little bit, at least from this being us versus them and painting the terrorists as like this unified group um, doing this thing yeah. for a very particular purpose uh, to seeing there might be some friction there amongst that group. And right. the tension of what they're actually doing weighing on them. And that is when the RBS broadcast that they've been able to confirm that one of the Coast Guard's um, officers that was shot at the dock has died. I'm curious what you thought about that because the reaction on the boat then, they, they all seemed really pretty bummed out. In fact, you have the woman, um, Diane Silverman, played by mm-hmm. Roberta Maxwell, who I think was just like a housewife that knew Dr. Bruce Lyman or something, who, yeah. yeah, she seems like the one that is mixed up with these terrorists that should definitely not be there. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's full on sobbing after that news. How does that stuff play for you? Because that's where I'm wondering, like, does that feel more like fiction versus nonfiction, you know, this illusion of nonfiction that's over this whole thing? Right. Well, yeah, I definitely feel like like that's almost none of that is stuff that I feel like you would see, even if there was a live feed coming off that tugboat. Yeah, it'd be tough. Yeah. You might see something like it, but those are like those are definitely some of the parts where it's it really feels staged. Uh Like this is all the information that you need to see and we are giving it to you. You know, I mean, obviously it fit with the group that they're upset that someone died, I'm sure obviously their intention is not to, to kill people, except that it is. I mean, that's the thing that was to me like, yeah, I was like, does this play with what they're actually doing? (laughs) You know, it's like, if, if you weren't prepared for one coast guardsman to die, how are you prepared to ever get on this? Like to get this far into what you're doing, um, which could kill millions, you know? Yeah. I think a few of them were definitely, you know, more on board with oh, that than, than 100%, others. 100%, yeah. Like, I, I think it's really good that you have that, like, the one person, mm-hmm. you know, crying at least, you know, just to show, like, these are not, they're not just insane. Yeah. Like, they are trying to make a point, you know, whether or not it's a, a good, you know, a good way to make that point. Right, and you see some differences of opinion or just some bickering between Dr. Lyman and Dr. McKeeson. Um, mm-hmm. there's the guy who's like the designated, you know, gunman, basically. Right. Jim Seaver played by, uh, right. I guess it's Ebby. I don't, it's E-B-B-E. I've never seen that name before in my life. Yeah. Rose Smith, who's sort of the guy in the, uh, toboggan and glasses with the Uzi, um, mm-hmm. who he starts cracking up a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, like at least they're just not cardboard characters. Sure. 
And I do think under pressure, yeah, maybe that would happen to a group of people who were in some ways like amateur terrorists, yeah. even though they're doing a very non-amateur thing. Uh, so I don't know. I like I was a little conflicted of it because I, I do feel like it like took me out of the dream here a little bit. Um, right. You know, but nonetheless, let's talk about the reaction to Charleston after they discover that uh, it has been confirmed that there's nuclear material in that tugboat. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. you brought the 9-11 coverage. Actually, I, I thought, you know, distinctly of the post-Katrina coverage yeah. with the evacuation and just exactly how that looked, you know, not being able to yeah, get out of town. Totally. Um, filling up the uh, the high school gyms and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they do that sort of, I don't know, there's got to be some term for, let's just get one quick soundbite from, you know, a cop, a, uh, a guy, a professor, a, you know, just the lady, an old lady in the gym, you know, these like right. the six different character types that they just want that little soundbite on. What's your impression of what's happening in Charleston? Or Michael Madsen. I thought uh, some of those I think were just they were kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, totally. My favorite was um, they interview these people and then they start talking about there's been like copycat extortion calls, you know, threatening calls oh, coming yeah. into newspapers and police precincts around the country, and so they of course they show like some New York cop and he was like, yeah, it really makes them come out of the woodworks, don't it? You know. <laughs> He's just a total uh, ball breaker yeah. guy. The central casting yeah, uh, New York cop. absolutely. Yeah. And then they've got the one guy who kind of is like your Colonel Sanders character in Charleston. And he um, he talks about, well, Charleston's always been this type of town. And uh, there was that uh, unpleasantness with the North, you know. <laughs> oh, Jesus, yeah. I was like, they got to get that in there. I mean, they had to, right? <laughs> but did that stuff kind of work for you? I mean, I do feel like it, it It kept things moving, and it, again, like felt realistic to how the news would cover this sort of thing. Well, yeah. I mean, it it was also a mixed bag in general. But, but yeah, like I, I totally expect to see those, mm-hmm. you know, at some point. You're go- you got to go to man on the street stuff. Man on the so, street. That's yes. it. Yes. Thank you. So that, yeah. Well, yeah. So that, that, that totally worked for me. It was just, yeah, some were... Some were a little, you know, <laughs> some were definitely actors. I feel like some were definitely actors yeah. and some weren't. Like, I think, I feel like some, they could have just gone out, just asked somebody a general enough question sure. and had them like respond to it. And it, it, you know, it seemed good. So, yeah. They did get the, I guess, obligatory thing where I think they spoke to a senator, if I'm not mistaken. And his little mm-hmm. soundbite was, uh, you know, it makes you question what the communist role in Charleston is, you know, I think before they knew exactly right. you know, who these people were or something. And it's just like, well. Just like that cold Yeah, war. it's like it's 1983. I guess you gotta. I mean, there were a couple other moments, I think, where they mentioned Russia, wasn't there? One of the military things was like, you know, we have made it clear that this does not weaken our defense globally at any point. You know, right. there's, there's nothing about it that will cause us to back down in case of a Russian threat, regardless of what's yeah. going on in Charleston or some, something like that, you know? Yeah. But maybe that's a good segue then. Well, let's talk about just the entire nuclear question of it all a little bit. I think it's it's obviously like a message film, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's no way it's not, when, especially when we get to the end. Yeah. They have this expert on RBS who they even got like a computer simulation, they said, of what would happen to Charleston if a bomb explodes? Yeah. And you see it and everything. 
but man almighty like you know they're they're not afraid to just put the details in there you know they talk about like even a mile away like a person would be instantly burned to death and that if it was Mm -hmm. a megaton bomb dropped like if you were five miles away from the blast radius you'd be incinerated in the first like three-fifths of a second and i was like holy shit like i mean just hearing that like it just you know it is crazy how easy it is to just forget that this is like a possibility yeah i don't know if you've ever listened to that dan carlin guy's podcast at hardcore history yeah yeah. yeah, he did one on the bombs used in Japan in the Second World War. And he talked about, I mean, I think what's the central heart of this whole like movie is deterrent, you know, and that as a tactic. Mm-hmm. And like the only deterrent for nuclear war is knowing that the other side has nuclear weapons, right? right. Um, and it's, it is just like an interesting question, but he talks specifically about how it's like, having a gun pointed in your face when that happens it completely obliterates you and scares the shit out of you right Right. but if someone holds a gun over your face for 40 years and and it doesn't go off at a certain point it's not going to be as scary right yeah i mean i think that's so true true i mean it's just because like i don't like how else do you go about life? I mean, I don't know right. what the alternative is, but it is good, I think, to at least have a reminder like this in entertainment form of what could happen. I mean, it, it, you know, at any yeah. possible moment, the social commentary is there, and and certainly when we get to the end of it, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not limited to that. I I don't know. I I kind of liked when McKeeson went straight after the media in this thing, specifically. When he says, if it's not about ratings, turn off the feed right now. Go ahead, RBS. I'm going to look at the monitor and wait for you to cut away. And uh, it's so good, right? I mean, how did you like all that stuff? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that was was a great point. That was one of the bits that I, yeah, where, where it felt like it was going a little deeper than I thought it was going to. I also wonder, Craig, you remember in the tee up? I mentioned that little trivia thing about like this movie won like some humani- humanitas prize or whatever. Yeah. And there was an executive for NBC or NBC News who called the movie junk, right? Mm-hmm. And I wonder because I wrote down the line like McKeeson says, NBC would kill its mother for this footage, and. Right. <laughs> I wonder if like, cause if that's the rub, because like I was, you know, I listened to the tee up again, and I was thinking, I was like, yeah, what, what would, what would this guy's beef be with this movie? Because it does seem like pretty effective for what it was trying to do, right? Yeah. And I wonder if it is like just like there was just an essential disagreement over the fact of how, this is not how NBC News would have carried out this event. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's interesting also because of the, what's his name, Don Olmeyer, mm-hmm. who was one of the producers on it, who, I mean, he was a huge NBC guy. Yeah. So, yeah, was this just like, was that just like, you know, internal politics? Was that a dig at somebody else? Was that, you know, somehow like making fun of the news portion of NBC? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm kind of impressed that Zwick and Herskovitz were able to keep all that in there. Yeah. I really liked the part where... <laughs> So, 
you know, McKeeson is doing all this and criticize. I mean, just go straight after the media. And then, of course, you know, they cut away finally. And you've got your talking heads in the studio at RBS. And immediately they start asking, like, well, what is the media's role in this? And it was like, well, but you guys are the media. It's like, it is so funny. Like, that still yeah. happens so much, you know, especially in the era of, you know, the, the fake news yeah. thing getting thrown around so much. Like, how often news the news media ends up talking about themselves as if they're not the news media and uh right just, uh, right and like they become like <laughs> a part of the story yeah, it's so meta it's so they're never supposed to do yeah anyway let's get then finally to the end of this movie and i mean obviously there's a lot of escalation that happens before this but sure. one thing that's interesting is we never see the president in this movie we only see his spokesperson Mm-hmm. And I liked that spokesperson. I thought the guy did a good job. That actor there, that all, all that stuff felt pretty believable to me. Yeah, I don't know. Let's let me find like a starting point here. Um, time is ticking away. They've revealed and found out that both Doctor Lyman and the Seaver character did time in Attica for various things. That McKeeson, I believe, at this point, they had discovered that he could possibly have radiation poisoning which Mm -hmm. i thought was interesting and that increases the threat then because he's not afraid of dying because he knows it's going to happen anyway probably within a year right and so you're four hours left you basically had all these people cooped up for pretty much an entire day i think at that point yeah steve's starting to lose it a little bit our cameraman from the get-go, or our news anchor from the get-go, although he did not take his tie off, I should point out. Hey, professionalism. And then the word comes in almost like last hour that the government isn't going to accept their demands. Right. That news reaches the boat. They're ecstatic, but they need to see proof. They need to see trucks coming onto those docks with all those detonators. And then here come the trucks in the RBS studio. The mood is up. You got Meg Barclay, who's like, what, like two miles back, I think, on a a, a docked aircraft carrier carrier in the area. And she's not 100% positive that that is a safe zone, (laughs) but she's there nonetheless. This is close as a little get, yeah. The trucks show up. Guys get out of the trucks. And then, I don't know, you want to deliver the bang? So, yeah, the trucks show up. Everybody on the tugboat is celebrating. They all seem genuinely happy that the you know, United States is actually going to play ball. And, oh, man, they can finally uh, put this whole thing to bed. But then it turns out we see on the news there's footage of some sort of military force in a raft, mm-hmm. it looks like, climbing onto the boat. And then uh, we, we cut to the inside. There's crazy gunfire people getting shot they chase mckeeson downstairs to the to the bomb he kills himself <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of people get shot a lot of people die steve makes it as well as his cameraman so everyone's like much happier they cut to a bunch of different anchors and everyone seems very relieved which lets you know something bad is about to happen i know because <laughs> everyone is so happy that everything's going to be all right um <laughs> I'm not cutting forward too too far. Well, the only thing that I forgot to mention was before all this, McKeeson has made it clear that 
There are anti-tampering devices built within this bomb, and he is the only one who can turn them off or disable them. And so the fact that he kills himself is... It, I mean, it, aside from just being this visceral moment, you know, the the, the log, logistics of that then create situation where they're just winter guy that might know how to turn all this stuff off, right? Right, and you know, then then the government is is you know makes a statement soon after saying we would never would have done this if we weren't sure that our guys would right. get in there and turn this thing off. So everyone's yeah very happy. What was the um, but then? Yeah, uh, the clock at that point. I was, it was like thirty minutes left until. Uh, no, Steve says at some point he says, "Oh yeah, there's like seventeen oh, more 17. minutes." Oh, seventeen. Okay, and it was like cutting, less than that. Yeah. Yeah, you're 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 cutting into the tugboat where the guys are trying to disarm the thing and like they're having problems. Clearly, something goes wrong. And yeah. They're, you know, the guys start freaking out. The horn starts a, a horn starts blaring, and then the feed cuts out. Color bars, and, right? Yeah. yeah, and when it comes back. They have their anchor Meg, and she's just totally shell shocked. Everything is dark. It was just daytime, and now it's completely dark. Yeah, she is trying to explain that, like something happened. Clearly, the bomb went off. They they find uh, they they are able to roll tape. This was a thing I wasn't sure about, because her her actual cameraman is dead. I think I wasn't sure who was filming at that point. Yeah, but somebody she said is. somebody yeah. else had the camera, and then she's like, "And we have tape, roll tape." But I was like, "Who? Wait, who's rolling the tape? Maybe, maybe that's just like they they were recording it back at the station, yeah, and they I'm rolled the sure. tape." It seemed like a weird throw at that point. I'm just gonna say, yeah, <laughs> I would not have been thinking about throwing to a tape at that point, but they do. And there's a, I mean, not not super great effects sequence where they have, they you can kind of see, although like it's set up mm-hmm. well, because it's just. Meg and I think the cameraman are out like looking off at the tugboat and the ca- the camera is actually like seems like it's like set on a table a-, a ways back and then all of a sudden this super bright flash and when it comes back like basically everything's on fire yeah and it was like pretty effective and I can imagine in 1983 being mo- even more effective than it is now I think so I mean like it went into like found footage horror film like territory I mean like she is yeah. And it was just kind of interesting, too, because, like, having a a news anchor as a character, you know, especially, like, one that you've only seen on camera in that role, right, as as a Mm -hmm. news anchor, and then to see them at that point where, like, yeah, that whole facade is clearly gone, obviously, and she's, I mean, she's, like, picking glass off the back of, like, a dead body. Yeah. It just got really, I mean, like, you know, beyond the darkness of just the bomb going off, like they very easily could have just gone to color bars and like that had been the end of the movie, which I was kind of expecting them to do. But no, it was just like, oh, we're going to linger here for a little bit. And like, this is dark to look at. And just, uh, I don't know, I wasn't expecting (laughs) it. And, you know, it's basically like it's gone. Like Charleston's gone. It's like it's on fire. Yeah. What do they come back a couple weeks later with like the follow up report? Right. Which again totally felt like post Katrina a little bit or you know, nine eleven. I think at that point there was like Charleston will no longer exist the way it was, but the people are, you know, helping one another out and I don't know, like I hate to pick over this, but they said that there were like less than two thousand people dead because of the early evacuations and like that still seems like an improbably low number. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even just from other things that would have happened, uh, it seems impossibly right. low. Um, especially because, like, you know, they had footage of, like, all, all these people just having been burned and being carried out and all these things. And so, I don't know. I just thought that was a little low. But, you know, you do get your little nice little news piece wrap-up of uh, what it looks like now and, and moving forward mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And I don't, I, I don't remember. Was there any sort of, like, final governmental jab or, or statement or anything about what the U.S. like? Is it just business as usual as far as nuclear weapons after that? Or I can't remember. Was there anything about whether that not, side of our thinking had changed or not? Um, let me see one thing. You're just gonna go back and watch the movie right now? Yeah, let me just watch this <laughs> okay, real <cool>. quick. <laughs> I don't think there was anything mentioned about that. There, there's not another statement. And kind of what I liked about the way they they did the ending is like they they kind of do this. You know, it kind of feels like a human interest story mm-hmm. about Charleston, like looking back on that devastation, even though it's, you know, yeah. it's still pretty fresh. But but then it's like in other news, and they just start talking about That's you know right. other totally unrelated yep. stuff. Like the, the world goes on, and like yeah, this is not going to necessarily change anybody's policy on nuclear weapons. Which is the right way to do it, yeah, because it's it's still yeah. it makes it a whole of the piece as far as being about the media and the news specifically. Yeah, I'm not an aficionado of Ed Zwick, but it sure feels darker than most of the movies I've seen of his, I think, in so yeah. many ways. I kind of liked it. It was maybe where my expectations were going in, but also just the the ideas of it. There's probably no way in hell a news station would air a live feed of people trying to detonate or to disable a nuclear bomb. No way, right? There's right. just no way they could show that. And and for that matter, how were they cutting this to them disarming the bomb? I don't know. I mean, I get. I I, I think the implication would be that Steve Levitt's uh, cameraman, um, that guy I can't remember, George Takashima, mm-hmm. was on there or involved or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I it mean, almost felt it, like a static it, like, cam, like it like just it was like a webcam almost, like a yeah. Yeah. That's I, I didn't think about it while I was watching it, but it, yeah, because yeah, it seems like uh, Steve's cameraman follows him off the boat. Yeah, that's I think you're why right. You see Steve at the end, so I yeah, thinking back. They uh they brought I their own cameras because they knew how exciting that would be to watch on TV. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's how confident they were. Now each one of those guys would like have their own Instagram. They'd be like, I'm gonna cut the green wire. You They'd know, be doing peace. selfies. Yeah. Did you think for a second that they might do the whole thing of like? Cutting the wire at the last second and saving the day, or did you think that, that bomb was going to go off the whole time? Once they were down there disarming it, and we were watching them, like yeah, for some reason, yeah, it felt like yeah, I didn't, I didn't think at all it was going to be like oh, which which wire do we cut? It did feel like it was just going to explode. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, uh, and that's an interesting thing too because I think we're so conditioned to think the opposite um, for movies, at least. <laughs> yeah, that the yeah. bomb's not going to go off. But this one, I think you're right. Like it just part of it was how those guys are, you know, we're talking to one another. And one of them, like pretty early, was like, "We gotta get out of here. We gotta get out of here." You know, yeah. There was definitely tension going on, and then you're cutting back from to RBS saying, "It appears as if something has changed uh, in the disabling <laughs> of the bomb." Um, but yeah, that well, and I also think, 
a, a part of the reason the bomb sort of had to explode at the end is because our bad guys were not that bad. Yeah, that's you a good know, point. If they had been truly bad guys, there's no way that bomb would have gone off mm-hmm. at the end. No, you're right. Anything else that we didn't talk about with Special Bulletin, Craig? Uh, nothing specific. Mm-hmm. The thing that I wanted to say about it, though, was that I, I do think, you know, if the movie was made now, I think, you know, we have people probably a lot of people now who would be able to totally nail the realism and like carry that tone through the whole thing. No problem. But at the same time, I don't know if they would keep it as small a movie as it is. And I guess what I mean by that is I was thinking toward the end, whenever they're showing all the devastation from the bomb, Mm -hmm. I just felt like, man, if this was now you have CGI at your disposal, these shots of the destruction would be so much more detailed and like, You'd have at least one shot of somebody carrying someone to an ambulance and like a truck hitting those two people. You know, like I, <laughs> I just felt like, man, this would be way more complicated than this. Right. That that stuff felt perfect to me when they were showing the devastation and all that stuff. I, that felt exactly like news. Like just these are the random B shots that we got. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's like you know? again, like the format limits what they would be able to show, and and like it's better mm-hmm. off because of that. I think. Totally. Totally. What about you? Anything else? I thought it would be interesting, actually, to, to tell the exact same story, but from the POV of, like, the president. Uh, because that, sure. that was, like, the one main character in, in all of this and all the decision-making that, that's really just not at all present in this movie. And I think it's a, I think it's the right choice for this movie. But, boy, it would be mm-hmm. interesting to, to, like, you talk about a pressure cooker. I mean, that's, you know, Bay of Pigs times 12 in, in a weird way. It yeah. might be, you know, it'd be pretty compelling to see it told from that POV and just have that ticking clock hanging over them and, and what it would look like and have all the Warhawks there. That Because that's what I was thinking, too. I was somewhat waiting for this covert action to be revealed as far as, like, there's plans in place to, you know, send a submarine and strike from beneath the boat or somehow to get Navy SEALs on that boat. You know, uh, again, I think it's just like the conditioning of having seen too many movies. <laughs> yeah. That there would be some yeah, for sure. plan in place to take those people out at any cost, you know, before, well before the last hour. Yeah. Because especially like in this instance, like that plan, waiting that long, I mean, it just it did not give them a long, uh, much of a window to no. take care of that bomb. And it could have been, it could have happened hours earlier, sooner than that, you know? Yeah, yeah it did not seem like something they really had to sweat over. I mean, so that, and now like that yeah. weighs on the president, and I think that decision. So, yeah, I don't know. It'd just be cool to see it from that POV. I don't know who would play the president in that particular movie, but. That reminds me of a movie from 1999. Did you ever see the movie Deterrence? No, I don't think so. So it was a movie written and directed by Rod Lurie. Okay. Uh, starring Kevin Pollack as our president. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I never saw that, though. Is it any good? I mean, that's the thing. I can't remember if it was good. I just remember... I definitely saw it, but I mostly remember that how much I loved the premise, which was that the president gets stuck in this diner in Colorado in a freak snowstorm, but has to deal with an international like military crisis. From a diner. That's cool. Like that, at, at that moment. Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, man, that's, that's pretty neat. And so, you, yeah, you're totally just... You're just there with the president. Like, it never leaves the diner at all. And it's just him dealing with that thing. And I was like, yeah, man, that sounds uh, that sounds pretty cool. 
Yeah, but beyond that, no. I mean, I do think it would be interesting to see what a remake of this would look like. And, I, and on, on one hand, I think it could still be completely effective. Mm-hmm. You don't have that sort of built-in mechanism of having four networks as your only options on TV. And so yeah. your entire TV audience is very probably familiar with this format and everything about mm-hmm. it that really allows you to kind of you know play into it and, and utilize that to kind of create that illusion so i don't know yeah. i don't yeah i don't know if this like would it work the same as a netflix movie i don't, I don't know right right yeah it's fun to think about nonetheless it's a little harder yeah so that is your special bulletin again it's on youtube go watch it would love to hear what you think if you seen it or haven't seen it i think it's definitely worth checking out absolutely big yeah. recommendation for all you ed flanders completists <laughs> and allport completists no, we've only yeah. got about 147 more of his movies to go in our series um, but no come back next time i'll tee up something else and uh, get into a whole new thing for the month of march we're happy to have you craig yeah any last words amigo yeah uh, never trust a guy holding an uzi That's solid, solid advice. Thank you. All right, y'all. We'll talk next time. Bye-bye.